Good morning, everybody. I see we've got some guests. Thank you for being here. It's an honor for you to come and worship with us. I hope that thus far our worship has been in spirit and in truth. I had a great birthday yesterday. Two things that I'm really thankful for is Joella is doing better. She's getting up and walking around, and my dad, who's here, he had surgery on his cataract, and he's got another one next week, and he's doing well. So, perfect birthday presents for me, and Aaron cooked me a great meal yesterday, so I feel good, and you guys know I do like to eat, I'll admit it. I'm not ashamed to say that I do like food, and I'm trying to not uh, get this suit too tight, so... I drink water with my meals a lot of the time. So, But anyway, if you're a guest, come back, be a part of this family. If you are uh, visiting, thinking about maybe uh, finding a congregation to be a part of, this would be a great one to come and, and do things. Uh, as Mike said, we've got a lot of activities that we do. You can find something and plug yourself in, and man, what a blessing it'll be. This morning we are in 1 John chapter 2. We're walking through the book of 1 John and we come to 18 through 27. Quite a bit, a few scriptures, but I hope that by the end of this you'll be blessed and you can see that John is just trying to encourage these first century Christians as well as us. And, and I want to begin by saying this. In the first century, in the early church to which John is writing, there were counterfeits. I don't know if you've ever felt a counterfeit dollar bill or 20 or 5, but when you feel those counterfeits and then you feel a real one, there is a difference. Now, they're getting better at it, but there is a difference in how a counterfeit and the real money feels. I want you to remember that as we go through this lesson. Keep that in your mind as we go through uh, what we're about to talk about. But there were counterfeit teachers and there were counterfeit Christians. Folks who had all the external experiences, they had all the external appearances to belong to the body of Christ, but upon further and closer examination, they would prove to be false. John sends a warning to them, as well as us today, about those who would seek to deceive anyone into believing false doctrine. What we notice is, and what we'll see from the scriptures today, that these false teachers were called antichrists. The term antichrist has gained a lot of fanfare in the religious world, but it's a simple term. The antichrist is any person who opposes Christ. And John gives us some comforting words on how we as Christians can recognize and deal with with those who oppose Christ, as well as understanding why that's so important. The first thing to consider this morning is recognizing Antichrist. And if you would, look with me, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. The Bible says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard 
that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. As children of God, we must be aware of the enemy. Amen? We must be aware of his tactics. Amen? And we must be ready for his strategies. Amen? The first thing John says in verse 18 is that what they had heard had come to pass. It was the last hour. But how could they know it? How could they know this? Spiritual deception had come on the scene. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many Antichrists have come. Now this lesson is going to build upon itself, so just roll with me through this, and I promise you you'll get the blessing at the end. See, I saved the best for last, right? So you got to pay attention till the end. No sleeping, brethren. But what we have to realize is this, that John is not the only writer to sound this warning of God's people to the Lord's uh, saints that there was going to be a flood of false teachers in these teachings. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Watch what Peter says. Beloved, I now write to you this sec- in this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Th- that word scoffers is a great word. It means a mocker. Literally, it means a false teacher. Now watch this in Jude, same Greek word. But, bef- but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Oh, but it continues, brethren. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says to Timothy, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron. And one more, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Why all these verses, Matt? Why are you piling this all up? Because what we have to understand is John says, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Not a specific man. The mindset. 
the attitude, the spirit of someone against Christ is coming. And it's here. Well, that couldn't happen until Jesus came. Amen? It couldn't happen. Somebody couldn't be against Christ until it came. How had they heard that? How had they heard these things? The apostles, the inspired writers, gave repeated warnings about false teachers bringing in false doctrines, leading people astray. Beware, brethren. Beware, brethren. It's coming. It's coming. And here John says, it's come. And here it is. Now, in the context, John is battling not full Gnostic beliefs, but this pre-Gnostic design in their minds. And we're going to deal with it in just a few minutes and talk about what they thought. But here he was battling people who were changing the truth. What a scary thing, brethren. Don't be fooled. The truth is right here. And that's the only place that it's at. An opinion is great. My opinions are great. But that don't mean anything in comparison to what God's word tells us. Those who are going to be in opposition of the truth and go against everything that Jesus taught was here. So John tells them the time of those warnings have arrived. John is dealing with three particular false teachings when he speaks of these antichrists that have appeared. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Look at what the word says. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Now think about that. Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ is an antichrist. Am I right about it? Now, brethren, I'm not trying to hurt any feelings. I'm not trying to get out into a bunch of uh, different religious views. But here's the reality. We live in a world where people believe that Jesus is not the Christ. Can you believe it? We live in a world that believes that Jesus is not the Christ. What is John's warning? He is antichrist. And not only that, the one who denies that the father and the son connection. You know, there's religious views in the world that don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. Oh, he was created but he's not the son of God, the only begotten. He was a created being, and some would even say that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. What a scary thing to believe. Look with me in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming... 
and is now already in the world. Think about that. Brethren, there are people still today in this time in the religious world that believe that Jesus did not come in the flesh. But look at what he says. Those who believe that, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming. But let me tell you, brethren, it's now already in the world. It's already happening. I want you to turn with me to 2 John, and I want you to look at verses 7 through 11 with me real quick. And I want you to just think about this, and then we're going to pull back into the text. What are you doing, Matt? I'm trying to show you these particular false teachings that John in the context was actually dealing with. And then we can pull our application in just a minute to ourselves. But in order to get the full application, for us to be able to understand it like we need to, we have to understand what the Bible is talking about, right? Who he's talking to, what the deal is, and what the situation is. Look at what John says. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. But look at what verse 8 says. And if you want to highlight a verse and you want to think about a verse this week, look at this one. The Bible says, look to yourselves that we do not lose the things which we worked for but that we may receive a full reward. Verse 9 says, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Wow. What is John doing, brethren? John is establishing something that we need to take heed of. We need to pay attention to. John does not want us to be caught slipping. Now turn with me back to 1 John chapter 2. Hang with me, brethren. Hang with me. The Bible, the Bible is so awesome. The Word is speaking, brethren. Do you see it? Look at what verse 19 says. Then went out from us, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Verse 19 gives us an important but sad reminder. These antichrists were a part of the brotherhood. They claimed to be a Christian. They looked at least in in appearance as a child of God, but proved to be false because they wouldn't stay with the Lord and the teachings of his apostles. This application is so true for us today. People say that they're Christians, They may even look like one, but really they have their own desires in mind. How did Jesus describe these antichrists? You remember what he called them? Wolves 
in sheep clothing. You remember it? You remember when Jesus told us to beware of the wolves in sheep clothing, presenting these little tastes of false stuff? How does John say to deal with these false teachers? (laughs) I love it. How do we deal with these antichrists? Now, I'm going to read a little bit, so read with me, okay? Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things, and have not written to you, uh, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's promised us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now watch this. John tells his readers two things in verse 20 that are key in dealing with Antichrist. Look at what verse 20 says. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have knowledge. The beauty of this is that John is combating this Gnostic teaching by using their words, anointing and knowledge. The Gnostics believed that they had received an exclusive anointing from God. And brethren, I'm not trying to go way up because I'm not a teacher like that. I can't do it. But this is what the text is telling us. And I promise you, you will get a blessing from it if you hang with me. The Gnostics believed and they, they had received this exclusive anointing from God which allowed them to have the real knowledge of God's plans for man. So John reminds the brethren here that as well uh, that we are the ones who have received this anointing and this knowledge from the Holy One. But the question is, what is that? The anointing. This anointing, a direct reference to what the Holy Spirit has done for the Christian. Now, here's where it gets good. I hope I haven't bored you to death, but we're about to jump on the roller coaster and we're about to go down the hill. What has the Holy Spirit done for us? It has revealed the will of God through his word. We as Christians have all knowledge because the Holy Spirit revealed God's truth through the apostles and those in the first century heard it, they read it, and they could receive it for themselves. If you remember in 1 John chapter 1, 
Paul, I mean, John says in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, the things that we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Why is it a big deal to have fellowship with you, John? Because truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Now that becomes a big deal. Because if we don't have fellowship with John, if we don't have fellowship with these other apostles' teachings, then we have a problem. Because John specifically says our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. God's truth through the apostles changed the game. Think about what 1 Peter 1, 19 through 21 says. But with the precious blood of Christ, that's how we're saved, isn't it? As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Why? So that your faith and hope are in God. Why was Peter doing this? Why was Peter proclaiming this? So that you would have hope in God. Think about this. When John is writing this, the writings of Peter, the writers of Paul are being circulated. The gospel accounts are being circulated. John is telling them that they already have the knowledge of the truth. This is proven even further by verse 21. Look at what it says. 1 John 2, 21. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. You know the truth. I'm not writing this so you can learn it. You already know it. Look at verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you, therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. See, it wasn't a miraculous outpouring. Did some people in this time have the ability to do some of those spiritual gifts? Probably. But what? I don't have that ability to speak in tongues. I don't have that ability to heal somebody. What is God doing? What is the inspired word telling us? That he's setting up a way for us to be successful when it comes to false teachings and the way to live our lives. What they had heard was to be in them. And what they're hearing and what they're receiving is the apostles' teachings. See, verse 27 even continues, and I want you to really pay attention to what this verse says. It says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Think about what that says. Verse 27 
tells us that it teaches you concerning all things. Now, what teaches us about everything? Let's just get real simple. What is the thing that teaches us everything? Isn't it God's word? As his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now look at what 2 John verse 2 says. And watch this. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. What is this truth? John 17, 7. When Jesus is praying for the disciples, what does he tell them? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. But what lasts forever? You remember when we were born again? You remember when we became a child of God? It wasn't of corruptible seed. It wasn't something that was going to perish away. No, it was incorruptible. But how did it come? Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Matt, what are you doing? I mean, really? This whole lesson you've been talking about, God's word. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you right now, and here's the challenge. I'm going to put my notes down for a minute. I'm going to talk to you, brethren. If we don't apply God's word to our lives and we don't continue to keep it within us, we will fail. You may think that you can have the knowledge. You may think that you'll be able to do it. And you may think that you'll be able to make the right decision, but you will not. The only way that you can stand, the only way that you can do the things that you're supposed to do is by doing exactly what God's word says. I want you to listen to this, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. I just talked about it this morning. I want you to listen to what this says. Jeremiah 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Brethren, you may think you can do it. You may think that you can figure it out, but you ain't going to be able to do it. But God has set in order something for you. God has established something for you that you can follow and be successful with. Which leads us to the last point, the promise. You want to know what happens when you avoid these false teachers, when you avoid all this nonsense that's going on in the world and you stick to the word and you fix your eyes on Jesus and you listen to him? There's a big promise. There's a big promise. Look at what verse 24 says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you, had, you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And verse 25 says this, and this is the promise if you do that. Here's the promise, that he, that God has promised you eternal life. How important is that one to you? Eternal life with him forever. If we live in the word we will always live in Jesus. 
The good news, it just can't be heard, though. We can't just hear it and say, oh, that's some good stuff, right? No, you got to put it in your heart. You got to put it into action. It's one thing to be able to be a Bible scholar and quote all kinds of scripture, but it's another thing to hear what the verse says and actually apply it. Well, brethren, if you're not reading the word, then you're not able to apply it. If you're not reading the word, you're not able to apply it. As the word continues to stay present in our lives, that is how we have fellowship and maintain fellowship with him. I want to close with two verses, verses 28 and 29. I want you to think about this as we leave here this morning. And if you don't get anything else out of the lesson, here it is. You can wake up and get ready to go out and change the world with these two verses right here. And now little children abide in him. How do you do it? Through his word. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Brethren, you know it as well as I do. The day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. We're not going to be ready for when it comes. We don't know when it's going to come. Uh, let me, let me re rephrase that. We can be ready when he comes, but we don't know when it's going to come. But look at what the word says. While we're waiting, while we're waiting for that time, he gives us the rule to do. He gives us the thing to do. Abide in him. Read his word. Apply it to our lives. Read his word. Apply it to our lives. And then when he appears, we'll be confident. And we won't be ashamed. But look at verse 29. There's also a second part of this. It says, if you know that he is righteous... You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Brethren, one of the most encouraging things about coming together as the saints and worshiping God in spirit and truth is you guys are trying to practice righteousness. Amen? And me too. I'm trying to do the things that God told me to do, and when I see others doing it, what an encouragement. Doesn't that stir up love and good works? Absolutely it does. So if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So when I hear false teaching around, oh, I already know that ain't right. Well, how do you know that ain't right? Because the Bible says it's not. Not because of my opinion that I got taught, because the word doesn't say it. Test the spirits, whether they are of God. The question as we leave today, does the word of God live in us? Are we abiding in him? Are we remaining in him? Because if so, heaven is waiting for you and for me and whosoever will. But if you're not, you want to know how you can begin that journey? It comes from Romans chapter 10, verse 17. All of this said, and then here's how you enter the kingdom of God. Faith comes by hearing. <laughs> what are you hearing? 
the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And here it is. Jesus came to this earth. He loved you so much he died for you. He loved you so much that he said, I'm going to go on this cross and I'm going to become the sin for you. And I'm going to do it because I love you. And I'm going to live a perfect life for you. And I'm going to die, but I'm going to be raised again to walk in newness of life. And you can be a part of my family. How do you become a part of the family of God? You repent of your sins. You say, you know what? I can't do this no more. I'm not going to live like this because the way I'm living is not right. And I'm going to turn towards you, God. Jesus said, if you don't repent, you'll all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. And you remember what happened uh, with the uh, Ethiopian eunuch as Philip is preaching Jesus to him. He sees water. He says, what hinders me from being baptized? He says, you can if you believe. What's that Ethiopian eunuch say? He says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe it. And then being baptized in water. On the day of Pentecost, what did Peter tell them? On Acts 2, 38, they were cut to the heart. What do we need to do, Peter? He says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for their family. It was for everybody. Whoever wants to call on the name of the Lord. And then you begin that journey, that faithful journey. And as you die and you are standing in front of the Lord, what does he say? Be faithful until death, and I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you this nice crown, a crown of life. Enter in. Come and enjoy what I prepared for you. If you are here and not a Christian, please don't miss the opportunity to be added to the greatest family ever. A kingdom that will never be destroyed. If you need prayers, whatever you need, come right now together we stand and sing.